Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting-edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is James P. Friel. Super excited to bring you guys an amazing show today. We've got a guy here who's just a genius at business systems. Super excited for you guys to hear what he has to say. But before I get to Mike, I would be remiss to not announce my handsome co-host from the United Kingdom, Dean Holland. Please ride in on your white noble steed and say hello to everybody. <laughs> Hey, great to be here, of course, with my one and only friend in the world, the lovely Mr. James P. Friel. <laughs> How did I get so lucky, Dean? <laughs> or maybe I'm not. I don't know. I class myself as a gift and a curse. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dean, as you know, we have Mike Arcee here today. Super excited to have you with us, Mike. I hope you're ready to uh, have a good time and share a little bit about what you're up to, man. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I already learned something. I want to get sound effects on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a sound effect. That is an actual trumpet player inside Dean's office as he rides in on the horse. <laughs> I don't want anybody getting the wrong idea. Like we're doing some like hocus pocus. He's got an actual trumpet player. It's pretty yeah, cool. It's a member of my team. They, they, they have to just follow me permanently. Every time a door opens around me, that, that has to be played. Yeah, in fact, Dean said that I've spoiled him with that trumpet fanfare because now he anticipates his fiance to do the same thing when he walks home at the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, honey, I'm home. (laughs) And it's just silent. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Mike, thanks for being on the show here today, man. It's good to have you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things we love to do with all the guests that we bring on to the show is sort of talk a little bit about where they've come from. And I don't know, maybe this is just me. Maybe this is my own selfish motivation, but I love hearing people's entrepreneurial story. There's something so cool for me about getting the opportunity to talk with people like you who are entrepreneurs, who are making things happen, movers and shakers and stuff like that. I just love the attitude of the entrepreneur. It's sort of contagious for me. And I think that uh, a lot of people who are listening want more of that, right? It's inspiring and understanding where people came from and how they got started is pretty cool. So I'm just going to throw it over to you, man. Like, how come you're so crazy that you decided to be an entrepreneur? Like, how did all of this happen for you? Yeah, well, first I want to address, it looks like Dean keeps waving at his trumpet players. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, we're done now. We're done. (laughs) Okay, one more, one more. Let's get it out of the system. There we go. I didn't have a bug to become an entrepreneur, actually. I'm from New Jersey, so there was everybody was making money here and there doing something, whether it was selling sneakers or CDs that you downloaded, because now Napster came out and everyone was that was a big moneymaker, CDs. Little things like that. But other than that, I've had twenty two jobs. I've been employed at twenty two separate companies. So you're only twenty two years old, so that's like that's really saying something. 35. My last job was at 2010. So whatever that math comes out to. So I was 28 in my last job. Yeah, that's a real number. 22. 
I did start a business. I had a fitness business. I was a personal trainer at a personal training company, three trainers working underneath me at like the age of 24. We're doing really well. We got our revenue up to, well, really well for a 24-year-old. Our revenue was up to about 50, 60K in a month. And that was great, but there were some things that happened and kind of got in the way and decided to get out of that business and move into being an employee again. I did that for a little while. I got into this world that I'm in now totally out of desperation. It was 2009 and business wasn't really going well for my job where I was working. The economy was really starting to kind of take a little bit of a turn at that point. And we didn't really know what to do. I started this company called Loud Rumor that I have today. And initially, we were like Yelp before I ever heard of Yelp. And then everybody started sending me links like, you mean like this company? And I'm like, (laughs) you love that, right? Yeah, it's the worst. Yeah, then I'm getting links to Kudzu and like so many other directories. And I'm like, all right, I'm not unique at all. But I like the name. And honestly, a lot of me was just lazy and I didn't want to go get another LLC. So in 2010, it got really bad. My wife and I had just gotten married. Uh, We used all our money that was in savings with the exception of $500 to pay for the wedding and the house that we had just uh, gotten. And so at that time, my wife ended up getting pregnant and we actually got pregnant on our wedding night. So it was a good wedding. And (laughs) good way to end it, right? But I didn't know that we were going to have a baby. She didn't want to tell me until Father's Day as a surprise. And so before Father's Day, like a week or two before, she told her boss that she was pregnant. And end of the day, that same day, they ended up doing cutbacks. So she got – she was the only one that got cut back. Oh, shit. She got fired the day she told her boss that she was pregnant and worked there for 18 months, never got a write-up, anything like that. So then she tells me. She goes – like a week later, we're at my mom's house for dinner. On the way home, she goes – Hey, so what do you think about working on a baby? Now, here I am thinking we have options. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so I go, that's the last thing we need right now. (laughs) (laughs) We were going $1,500 in the negative that month, and we had $500 in, in savings. So it just didn't make sense. So she ended up getting another job while pregnant because she wasn't really showing yet. And she didn't tell me on Father's Day. She skipped it because she was afraid to. She decided to wait to my birthday, which was a month <laughs> later. And then she ended up telling me, great, everything's awesome. I, I told her, I was like, you got to tell your boss. Everything seems cooler now. She told her boss, fired that same day. So she got fired no. twice in the same pregnancy. So that is why we decided to do this. I was managing a sales floor at the time. So I was very used to creating scripts and and managing the sales process. So I created a binder for my wife with a script of how to cold call all these different companies. And then there were different tabs for if they said this, then read this script. If they say that, then read this script. So every tab was for like a different objection. And she cold called on average, no jokes, I used my software for my work. She cold called an average of 230 people per day, per day at five months pregnant. What a boss. Yeah, and didn't have a lot of talk time because she wasn't really good on the phone. She never sold before. She was just basically calling people to see if they wanted a company to redesign their website. That was basically it. And that's what we were doing. We would basically sell websites for like 600 to 1000 bucks, and then we'd get people in India or the Philippines to do it for 120 or something. So we would take the difference. Fast forward, you know, went through the agency pains that every agency kind of seems to go through. And, you know, now we're here and we have 400 clients and it's amazing. And we have 18 employees that are incredible. And my wife 
stays at home with our four kids now, which is pretty cool. I don't know if you know this about Dean. He has a very similar story, except he only got fired once for being pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> and then he never went back to being an employee. Yeah, being pregnant, it'll traumatize you. So they never look back and never got pregnant again, huh, Dean? Exactly. I'm still figuring out how to tell myself. <laughs> still dealing with the carpal tunnel. He's, he's getting <laughs> That's right. So you really didn't even plan on any of this. You were just like, okay, my back's up against the wall. Survive. We got to do something. And here you are. How many years ago was that? My wife got fired in August of 2010. And then I had her cold calling for about five or six weeks before I sold eight sales. And that gave me enough confidence. If she can do that without any sales experience, I can cold call and do better. So then I quit my job October 11th, 2010. Nice. So you've been out on your own like a year longer than me. Yeah? Yeah, September 2011 was when I left. Okay, cool, congrats. I didn't have 22 jobs. I had like two. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So how do you go from like virtually zero experience as an entrepreneur to running a company now with 400 clients and 18 employees and... Not like you don't strike me as a guy who's like mired down in chaos and overwhelm. I feel like you've got your shit together. Like, did any of those 22 jobs prepare you for that? Or are you just like a unicorn and you're just like, okay, now I'm going to be an entrepreneur? (laughs) No, it didn't really work that way. And to be fair to the show, we don't have 400 active clients. We have a few hundred active clients. But then, you know, people pause campaigns, come back, and that's kind of the way it works. But we sold 400 in the system that we use over the last 18 months. But yes, so the first... Two to three years was excruciating. So I was basically trying to do everything myself. I was doing probably what millions of other entrepreneurs do where I, I go to sleep at like two, three in the morning like until I can't hold my eyes open anymore. And then as soon as I wake up from a bad dream, I, I start working again. <laughs> right. And so that lasted like three years. And we had our car repo twice. We were on the mac and cheese and tuna diet for about a year. We didn't go on any vacations for about five years. We just watched my family and friends go on vacations, looked at pictures on Facebook and said, that looks like a nice place. So <laughs> that's kind of what we did for a while. And then I was lucky enough to um, be introduced to this one guy, Bart Dunn. He's a former CFO of Coldstone, And he took me under his wing as kind of like a mentor and asked me what I'm reading. And I was like, what do you mean? I never even thought about reading books. I was all blogs and articles and whatever I could find. So he introduced me to the book E-Myth. And uh, so I I read E-Myth and then that went from there. I'm 250 books deep now. And then went on a spree of just like book after book after book after book because everything seemed to solve my problem because I had all the problems. So every book worked at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) It's like now it's like read what you need. But back then it was like, dude, you need everything. So just pick up any book and just get get to work. (laughs) You can throw a stone at any book in the bookstore and you just pick it up and it'll be good for you. Exactly. It's exactly (laughs) what it was. I ended up reading books, but I also ended up appreciating mentors. And the great thing about Bart was he introduced me to another program called EO, Entrepreneur Organization. Got to get in there and meet a lot of other people that were able to mentor me because I was kind of bottom of the bucket in that group. And everybody else there has been around for a while. So got to meet a lot of great people. I have about 12 different mentors I go to now depending on what I need, if it's a people problem, if it's a finance problem, if it's a legal problem, I I know who to go to in certain situations. And then also I've had a coaching. I've spent over $100,000 in coaching now, most of it in the last three years because I didn't have money for coaching in the first like four or five. But coaching has been the thing that's taken me farther than anything else for sure. 
Dude, I'll tell you what. So, Dean, I think you and I talked about this. I don't remember what episode. It could have even been the first one where it was just you and me talking about the breakthrough that I know we both went through, which was, uh, yes. all right, I can't do all this on my own. I don't have all the answers, like all that. So it's really cool to hear you say that reading who you surround yourself with, coaches, mentors, like all of that, it does make a huge difference. And I know when I was, you know, first starting out, I was still in my corporate job, but I, I knew that I wanted to leave. You know, everyone's like pitching from stage or they're doing this and they're like, oh, you got to get this class and you got to have a coach. And I'm such a skeptical person. I was like, well, of course he's going to say that I need to have a coach because he's a coach <laughs> and he's trying to get me to pay him money. Like it only makes sense that he would say that. But the crazy thing is he has a coach. Yeah. And his coach has a coach. So he believes in it. So he's kind of in this weird place where he wants to say what he believes, but somehow not sound like he's selling people, but he does believe that, you know? I know. I think the three of us on this show have certainly spent pretty hefty sums of money on coaches and mentors and groups and things like that. It's almost impossible for me to believe that I would be able to create the results that I have today if I had not done those things, mm -hmm. you know? And it's awesome to hear your story about zero entrepreneurial experience almost like zero desire to even start a company. And yet the gateway to going from the mac and cheese and tuna diet to where you are today was because you had access to great people. And at first it was cheap through books. And then as you grew, you were able to allocate more money and, and time to that. Well, hold on. First off, it wasn't cheap through books. It was more expensive through books because it took me a longer time to get a return than I did with a coach that I spent more with. So you can look at it and say, okay, well, I spent 25 bucks or 10 bucks on a book, but I didn't get enough out of it. I did get a lot, but not enough out of it to where, I mean, the, the growth or the returns on that book took a little while. Whereas with a coach, I'll spend 10 grand in a day with a guy and I'm literally implementing things that the next day is starting to make me money. So depends on how you look at what's cheaper and what's yeah. more expensive, you know? Yeah, such a great point. Yeah, Dean, I think you were going to say something. I was just in complete agreement with everything you were saying on the on the mentor side. Like if I look back now myself, like I can't actually imagine how I would have overcome certain problems that I was experiencing without that guidance. Yeah. And it's strange. Like at the time, I do think there's a met like I don't know what you guys think, but for me, I I've always had to overcome like a mental barrier myself before taking that jump. My first ever experience in a coaching program was in 2008, and that was like a thousand bucks. And at the time, I was like, huh, that's a lot of money. Like. I don't really understand like how I can justify that, but I did. As stages have gone on through my business, I'm like, huh, the coach I need now is like 5K. Like, that's a lot of money. Like, yeah. I how do I just... Then it's like, you know, two years ago, huh, now the coach I need is 25 grand. That's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> I remember every time I've crossed this mental, like psychological barrier for myself, but then you get past that and you look back over how, how far you've come or what that, that single decision has done for me every single time it's been just life-changing or altered my business in such a significant way so and it's with more than coaching it's with everything right so i didn't take a vacation till i was like 31 years old ever in my life except for when i went with my mom and dad at 15 was the last time i took a vacation one of my first coaches he said i won't work with you unless you take a vacation and i was like dude i don't need a vacation right now i hired you to work not to tell me to stop working you know this is crazy yeah. he's like you don't understand you need to, you you have to you have to have something to look forward to so you maybe just take a two or three day getaway to huntington beach stayed at the hyatt for like two to three days with my wife for our first time ever getting a, alone together outside of arizona 
and it was exactly what I needed. And I've been to that place six times since, but I've been to like 15 vacations since then or, or maybe more. And so, yeah, I didn't see the value of spending money on vacation until I took one. People don't see value in spending 50 or $60 on a steak until you have a 50 or $60 steak. And then you go, man, I like this. And it's not just that the steak tastes better, which it definitely does, but it's also that feeling of like, all right, I had a 50 or $60 steak today. I remember back then when I couldn't afford a $10 steak and, and, and I used to look for the fried food because that's all I could eat. So it's a good, there's a, there's a whole bunch of things that tie into it. But yes, once you start finding the returns on things, you will not only get more $60 steaks, but you'll start looking for the $70 and $80 steaks. And for you, the coaching, the $25,000 coaching. And now you hear about a $100,000 coaching program. I bet you're like, I wonder what you get out of that. You know, like, as opposed to that's crazy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's been your strategy for continual leveling up, starting from scratch where everything is up, right? And then you achieve certain levels of success. My experience has been like, I normalize things really fast. I'm like, oh, like, okay, now this is what I'm used to. And there's, that's like good and bad, right? Cause then you're like, well, what's next? Too much of that becomes obsessive and too little of that. And you sort of stay stuck. So how have you gotten through different levels of growth that have been required to go from where you were to where you are right now? There's a few things. One of them is definitely who you hang out with a lot. Most of the world has limits on why they can't do things. They have reasons as to why they can't do things or why they should wait to do things. And they all make sense. So that's the problem is that you can really justify why you shouldn't do something or shouldn't do something right now. Whereas, you know, when you hang around people that are really doing big things all the time, they never have limits on things and the conversation doesn't even make sense. So if I moved over to the UK with Dean, it would only take a few years before I start talking like Dean. <laughs> I'll start saying words like he would. I'd, my accent would change a little bit. Everything like that's just how it happens. There's people that I've coached and, and when I've done it, they said like, oh, that doesn't really matter so much. As long as I read and I work hard, I'm not my friends, but I've had them for years. so I can't dump them. And no one says dump your friends, but just limit the amount of time you hang out with them and just overcompensate on the people that you hang out with that are doing th big things. The way I always position it is, look, if you have a daughter and she's 13 years old and you have 100% choice, she'll go either way. You can say, honey, you can hang out with these girls. They get drunk on the weekends. They do a ton of drugs. They hang out with boys, different boys all the time. Or you can hang out with these girls and they're playing sports, they're active, they exercise, and they all have really great futures. And you as a parent get to pick who she hangs out with. Which one would you pick? It's not even a question. You're never going to say hang out with the people that do drugs. You're going to say hang out with the people that are doing things in her life. And it's because you already know that that's the best thing for your child. But sometimes people don't like to look at it for themselves. So you have to like look for it and you have to create the events. I have three people coming over this weekend to my house that I highly look up to and they're doing things in their lives. Two of them are doing things faster and bigger than I am. And so I want to just hear how they talk and what they say and just be around it all the time. So that's the main thing. And then just be laser focused. So every morning, the first thing I do is I write down what I'm going to do this year. And I have four goals I started the year with, and I've already done three of them by June. I'm on my fourth one now. Now I'm already writing my goals for next year just because I feel like I got, I got to work on more stuff. So every morning I write down my stuff and I do it again at night before I go to bed because uh, I kind of feel bad 
if I go and write stuff down, I realize I didn't work on that particular thing at all today. And it makes me feel bad all the way till the next morning when I write it again. And then I go, today I'm for sure working on this. You know, mm-hmm. so those are two things that I, I do more than anything. Of course, I still do the reading and the coaching and the mentoring, but that feels like second nature now. The other two things I have to make a conscious effort to do every day. Awesome. Yeah. I'm guessing the, uh, the fourth thing for today was to get on this podcast. Yeah. That was like the main thing for the year, well, right? That's sure. part of it. That ties in with his thing about hanging out with awesome people. Yeah, right. right? 100%. <laughs> yeah. And I say that like, sort of tongue in cheek, but the truth is for me and for Dean, part of the reason we wanted to do this show was to hang out with really cool people like you, right? And to say, okay, cool. Like, let's get to know more awesome entrepreneurs who are doing big things because that there is that whole network effect of who am I letting influence me? You know, now, now I know your formula for, you know, you writing down your four things in the morning and at night. And that's like super cool. I'm not going to pick that up from watching some bullshit TV show or hanging out with people who don't have any ambition in their lives. Yeah. And, and here's the thing too. You have people out there like you guys and you have Gary Vee and you have Grant Cardone. And you have all these guys who are just putting out a ton of content for their audience. And just like with anything else, you can look at it through two sets of lenses. You can say, oh, look at this guy, Mike R.C., building up his personal brand. What an ego. Or you can say, look at this guy sharing his story and everything he's learned because that's how he did it, right? And for me, Gary V helped me through some stuff. Yeah, Grant Cardone's helped me through some stuff because I would see their stuff. Now, if I looked at it through the wrong lens, it wouldn't. But because I look at it through the lens where I go, man, look, if he can do it, I can do it. If he says you can, he can do this, I can do this. He looked at this. I remember he had, he had like three or four teenage girls on his show and the girls on his show were sharing what social media is like in high school now. Mm. And that helps him understand what it's going to be like in college in the future. And that, I remember that episode because I was like, man, no one's even thinking about doing that. Like talking to people in high school right now to find out what is actually being used so you can start focusing on it. And little things like that, it gets your mind to start thinking about different things because you get trapped. And sharing my story like with this, I, I like sharing my story because it reminds me, number one, where I came from. So it's always good to look back because you always feel like you have a lot to do. Yeah. You always feel like you're so far behind because you keep resetting your goals and they they never get reset at the same capacity. They always get reset bigger. (laughs) So when you look back and you go, shit, I remember that. Like I got, I got shivers when I told you that, you know, we got fired that second time, you know, that I remember that feeling and you send shivers down my spine still. So it's good for me, but I guarantee you there's listeners out there that somewhere between that firing and building the agency, someone's lying in somewhere in that timeline that's listening to your show. And like me, when I was that guy, I go, all right, cool. So I'm not alone. This is normal. And I can make it through this. And, and I have something to look forward to. Yeah. And that's what being a leader is, right? It's, it's helping show people the path that you've already been on to make it easier for them to do the same thing. Right. One of my favorite quotes is Isaac Newton, 500 years ago, guy who taught, you know, created physics and, you know, laws of gravity and all this. He's like, the only reason I've seen as far as I have is because I've stood on the shoulders of giants. Right. And I'm like, man, that is so badass. And the same exact thing is applicable today, except today information than what you can get is prolific. Mm. It's absolutely everywhere. But I love what you said before about the whole cheap information versus paid for information. I just like, I want to come back to that because I think there's a sense of 
with the internet today and podcasts and, you know, YouTube channels and all this information that people could research. They're like, I don't need to invest in myself to get the result. I can just consume all this content because there's all this stuff everywhere. But I think there's such a difference and it's a fine distinction between knowing what to do and when to do it, how to do it, what the right thing to approach is. And so, you know, you, you said it before, you just continue to invest in yourself, you know, and anybody who's on any stage of growth needs to continue to invest in themselves. Even if you think you're at the top, there's always another level, like be the pioneer and get to that next level by investing in yourself. Yeah. And here's what I'll say too, because I've seen people hire coaches and fail. And I know people that have hired coaches and fail. Hiring a coach, some people use the phrase, and I've I've even been guilty of using it too. It's like pushing a fast forward button. And it's not because all it is, it's it's like pushing Google Maps. Like all you do is you get the map. You still got to drive the car. And so you mentioned Isaac Newton, one of my favorite quotes by Socrates. And it's the only thing I know is that I know nothing at all. And so you have to have that mentality that you don't know what the hell you think you know. That's great. You think you may know things, but always know there may be more that you don't know. And you may be wrong somehow. And so with coaches, I always go into it with the mentality of even if they say something I already know, or even if they say something I've already tested, I'm never going to say, oh, yeah, I know that. Or, oh, yeah, I've tried that. It didn't really work. Because what happens when you do that, it shuts them down. And coaches just shut down. It stops their creativity and they stop looking for solutions for you as opposed to if you just listen or it's even if you did something already, you could say, well, like, how would you do that? Because they may find a whole new way to do what you already did in a way you didn't think of because maybe what you did didn't work because the way you did it, not because of what you actually did. And this person may have a new, unique way of looking at it. And what happens is when you ask good questions like that and let them keep going. It fuels them and they get more creative and they, they just get better and better as your coach. And I always tell every coach, I did it with Russell Brunson, did it with Mark Lack, did it with Billy Jean, did it with every coach I've ever had. I say, I'm going to be your best client, the one that you're going to want to make a testimonial video of and tell everyone to watch that one first so you can sell more. That's who I'm going to be. And Billy Jean, I'm his best client. Mark Lack, I'm his best client. And they'll tell you, I've done more growth than any of their clients and Russell Brunson, I just signed up like three weeks ago, but I'm going to be his best client too. And no competition between you guys, but I'm just saying. Whatever. Now now we know it's game on. We're throwing the gauntlet down here on the show I'm today. I'm just saying. But you want to go in with that attitude because they want to work harder for you. But at the same time, you now have to live up to it or else you're kind of a schmuck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, Mike, you know, I think there's bound to be people who are inspired by hearing this conversation today and your, you know, your take on your story and where you've been and what you've created. Can you tell us a little bit more about Loud Rumor and what you guys are doing right now? You know, when you and I talked one-on-one a few weeks ago, I was really interested in hearing about that. I think people would love to, you know, know a little bit more about the business that you're currently running because it's pretty cool. Yeah, so we started out as a web design company and then we dropped that because we couldn't stand the non-recurring revenue revenue, right? So we started doing things like SEO and AdWords and and eventually got into Facebook ads. And once we saw how powerful Facebook ads was, we really devoted our time and focus to that, uh, as well as Instagram and YouTube. So it really went from responsive advertising to disruptive advertising. And then we learned through coaching, as well as a book, Built to Sell, which is an amazing book, we learned the value of niching. So we built a company that really just focuses on the fitness and wellness space, predominantly fitness studios and independent gyms. 
So we work with big brands like Orange Theory and Club Pilates. And, and basically every big franchise you could probably think of in the fitness space we work with. And we basically just run lead generation campaigns for them using Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And on average, we'll drive in about 150 to 200 leads per month for the fitness studios that we work with. That works out really well for them, and it works out really well for us a lot. And, and we work with franchise, which is great because we get one. Now we get all of them. That's, that's one of the secrets that I've learned too. As I'm already looking at starting some other businesses or partnering with other people, I'll never not go niche again, and I'll never not go niche from providing a service or a product. I'll never not go niche to something that couldn't be valuable to a franchise because once you get in with one it automatically, they all, they're all part of Facebook groups and they all go to owners meetings and they share what's working. And if you're working, you just get like, we get referrals every day, every day from, and, and they're laydowns because they already know that we can do it and that we can do it for them, you know, because we're doing it for someone just like them down the road or in another state, you know? So those are the two things I would say. Niche, we niched in service, we niched in industry, we got really focused on franchise. That's awesome. That's dynamite, man. Yeah, yeah, that's super, super cool. So people want to get in touch with you. What's the best way for them to do that? So Mike RC Live is kind of like the the phrase that we that we found works for everything. So we have Mike RC Live is our handle for Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, all that. You can go to MikeRC.live as well to my website. We have actually a lot of really cool stuff rolling out here pretty soon, not just at the agency, but some other stuff that I think everyone's going to want to pay attention to. So I would definitely recommend follow because by the time we get to Halloween, you're going to want to be in the know. Awesome. And that's uh, Mike RC Live and RC is A-R-C-E, right? Yeah, A-R-C-E, correct. Yeah, okay. Dean Holland, do you have uh, any final comments, questions, or thoughts for Mike while we've got him here today? No, just a, uh, a complimentary comment. You know, I think this has been an awesome show. I think even down to the last minute there, what you just said towards the end, I think is just gold. You know, in terms of niching down and, and the, the advice that you just get there in the terms of, of what you've done. I think there's so many gold things that you've shared throughout just sharing your story and sharing what it is that you guys do. So just, yeah, thanks for coming on, Mike. It's been awesome. One, uh, one last question for you, Dean. Do you believe, in fact, that if Mike came to the UK, he would eventually start talking like you? <laughs> I'm somewhat skeptical of that claim. The rest of them I told, I'm on board with. That one I don't know. Mike still sounds like he's from Jersey to me. Oh, man, my accent's definitely lowered since I've been here. But what I will say is it's good to see that the beard has gone global. It's not just <laughs> it's a global fad. Well, I wouldn't give James too many compliments. He's clearly still trying. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, I think, you know, next time, Dean, you're not going to get the Trump fanfare <laughs> announcement. I've decided. He's given me shit about my beard one too many times and no more trumpet fanfare for him. You know what? Give me a trumpet. Can I have a trumpet? Can we get the trumpet? Yeah, we're going to mail you a trumpet, Mike. (laughs) You got to designate a trumpeteer in your office who needs to play it every time you walk through the door. Right? And it'll keep everybody on their toes. Like as soon as they hear the trumpet, they're going to be like, all right, Mike's here. See, it's already happened. You've spent half an hour with us on the podcast. You're becoming me already. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm booking my flight right now. (laughs) Perfect. Well, Mike, really enjoyed having you on the show today, man. Thanks so much for being here. If you guys want to check out what Mike's up to, follow him, Mike RC Live. And for Dean Holland, this is James P. Friel signing off from Just Tips. And we will talk with you guys next time. 
Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreel.com forward slash autopilot. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.